righty, welcome into episode number two of the Stick to Hockey podcast. Jason Martinez, once again alongside Joe Torty. Joe, how are you? We made another week. I can't believe it. They're letting us back. We haven't been canceled yet? No. Well, give it time. There's lots of uh, material in this that might get us canceled. Now, I've been chomping at the bit for episode two. There's been so much going on. I almost, I almost had an emergency convene convening to do episode number two a little earlier, but I was a little too busy this weekend to do so. Oh, so, so so you're saying that there's stuff that you're going to hear today that almost couldn't wait. Yeah, well, all right. it was such a crazy weekend. We actually we came to fruition on the expansion draft. Things kind of happened. We got so many leaks last week as we headed into uh, that night of the expansion draft where the Las Vegas team was announced. I don't think we really saw any surprises. Obviously, Marc-Andre Fleury went to to uh, the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Pierre-Edouard Belmar's a, a Las Vegas Golden Knight. Some deals happened after. I was, I was a little surprised at the lack of trades that came out after. There was a couple big ones, but uh, nothing earth-shattering, and certainly nothing earth-shattering for uh, teams in and around the Philadelphia Flyers. Well, I know, Jason, that you are plugged in, just like I am, with a lot of the insiders and the reporters and things like that, and everything that they were saying is, oh, but you just wait. You just wait for the next couple days yep. after this expansion draft. It's about to get crazy. I was totally let down. I mean, there were some yeah. like trades that you could see coming down the pike, even, but then afterwards, I, I was expecting some huge time names to move, and we didn't see any of that. Yeah, well, maybe that is still to come. Who it remains to be seen. But here, here's kind of what we got coming up uh, tonight for uh, episode number two. And look, we thank everybody that listened to the first week, and uh, you know, we're kind of feeling our way through this. Uh, you know, you know, Joe, I'm not, I'm not a podcaster. I don't know what that means to be a podcaster. I'm a radio guy, so we're just kind of feeling our way through. We didn't curse last week. Um, a couple people asked me, why didn't you can curse? Why didn't you curse? I, I, I don't curse on social media, so I don't find really a sense to curse here. But I'm sure it'll happen some point, maybe organically. Well, you know what? You, you want to save it. You want to save it for a really good moment and a really good time. But there's something to be said for it, Jay. I, intelligent people don't need to curse to get their point across. You well, know see, you I think that's bullshit. <laughs> but anyway, there, there you, you go. go. It's a, that, that was a gratuitous curse for no reason. That but, didn't take long. Yeah, but there you go. There's your curse word. <laughs> so uh, you take, if you're counting at home, that's one. That's the first one. Who knows if it'll be the last? Somehow, I doubt it. So here's what we got coming up tonight. We got, we've, we're very excited because, obviously, coming off the draft, we're very excited to have the Flyers general manager, Ron Hextall, join the Stick to Hockey podcast. That's a good get. The man who makes the decisions is going to join the pod. That's how big this podcast has become already. <laughs> and not the GM. And it's after he made some pretty big decisions already. Yeah. So this is the like first time that he's been on the air. Yeah, so we're going to talk to Ron Hextall. We'll talk to him, obviously, about the drafting of Nolan. Patrick and some of the other decisions they made at the draft. You know, they were very active in moving around and, and, and moving up in the draft, trading picks to get into better positions. And he also made a trade. Braden Shen is no longer a member of the Philadelphia Flyers. How about that? Who saw that coming? Well, you did. Actually. I did actually. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, on the record about that. Yeah, I actually tweeted out about an hour before he was tweeted. Somebody asked me if uh, Sean Couturier would be part of some kind of draft day deal, and and my response was no. I w- I would not look for Couturier to be part of that deal, but I would look for Braden Shen. To me, I never thought that Braden Shen and the Flyers were ever really on the same page from a worth standpoint and from uh, a player on the ice standpoint. He's a center. Was never really great at playing the wing. Let's face it. I like Braden Shen as a player. He's a great power play player. He had 17 power play goals. Uh, but he was not good 5-on-5. Five five, and he didn't have the highest hockey IQ. Which would drive a coach crazy and a GM crazy. Yeah. So, well, you know, and the Flyers are uh, are now Shen free for the first time since yeah. uh, since what, like two thousand nine? They're, yes. they're Shen free since the famous JVR trade uh, that brought Luke Shen to the Flyers, and and of course uh, Braden Shen came over. He came over with that title of uh, the greatest player not playing in the NHL, the greatest like prospect, if you will. Uh, but certainly, uh, he had he had a, a decent run here in Philadelphia. And he's getting paid a good amount of money. He yep. Avoided arbitration last year. They free up a little bit of money. And I think where people's confusion comes in here with this deal is kind of what they got in return. And, and we always focus on the, the NHL player for NHL player. And Yuri Laterra is the guy that comes over from the Blues who has not – his numbers have decreased every year he's been in the league. And people go, well, Shen was a 25-goal guy. This guy had seven goals last year. How are they going to replace the goals for a team that struggles to score goals? But the truth is, when you look, and St. Louis is one of my favorite Western Conference teams. I like St. Louis, and I like Nashville. Big, heavy team. Yeah, I've followed them for a long time. And I think a team that's full of mostly right-handed players is tough to compete against. Yeah. But 
their windows kind of passed, I think, in terms of being significant Stanley Cup contenders because mm-hmm. you've got Tarasenko and who knows what else you really have there. The goalie situations in flux and everything else. So the first round pick that you get from the Blues for next year could be pretty good. It, yeah. It's not like you're looking at trading a you know playoff contender or somebody who's going to be in the last four picks of the round. That's the key piece in this Shen trade. And that's what I think a lot of people are saying, oh, I can't believe you got Laterra for Shen, you know, even though he just does you know good stuff on the power play and that's it. Laterra's not enough to fill the void. Don't forget about the draft pick. I mean yeah. that's a big part. Yeah, you got the one next year. This year it was twenty seven. The pick that they end up getting and they get Morgan Frost there. Uh, they who they they identified they liked and they wanted to pick up and they end up next year. Well, we'll see where that pick is next year. It could it be twenty seven maybe, but it could also be twenty. And next year's draft, uh, as projections go, seems to be a little bit more of a stronger draft than this one. Nineteen and twenty, from what I'm reading and hearing from people, are drafts that at this point are looking very good. And deep. Yeah, deep and, and, and good drafts. But, you know, we don't need to go that far in advance on drafts just yet. I mean, when you're talking about the 2020 draft, you're talking about kids that are 14, 15 years old <laughs> right. right now. Yeah. But it projects that way. Well, and this is something that we talked about earlier, too, because I, I mentioned that this landing of the number two overall pick would accelerate the Flyers in ways beyond Nolan Patrick, in ways beyond whoever the number two pick ended up being. This is one of those. You have a luxury. You can get rid of a center who is getting paid a lot, who is coming off a career year, things like that, and then move the the process for the Flyers forward instead of having to move Sean Couturier, who I thought might be the likely candidate. They instead go with Shen. So there you go. That's already step one of how the number two pick has impacted how the Flyers at least think about things. Yeah, and, and that move of Shen certainly is indicative to me that they think and they know that Nolan Patrick starts the year with the Philadelphia Flyers. He's going to make the team. Yeah, yeah see, see we, we've already gone, what, like a, like five, six minutes into the show, and this is the first we're mentioning his name. Nolan Patrick was the number two overall pick. And no matter how you measure this draft, and we'll know in years that uh, whether this draft was a success, whether it's Matthew Strom, who they ended up getting in the fourth round. Great we'll talk value. to Ron Hextall about him uh, coming up in just a bit. But when you look at all these things and you look at how this is going to play out, they got the number two pick. They moved from 13 to two with a 2.4% chance to get it. And you get a player, albeit not a McDavid or an Austin Matthews, but this is a top of the draft, bona fide, ready NHL player in Nolan Patrick. He's a big kid. He's got an NHL body. He's got great skills, great hands, a good leader, plays the full 200 feet of the ice. This is a gift from the hockey gods to land this guy. And the Devils end up taking Nico Hishier, and the Flyers end up with Nolan Patrick. Pretty darn good consolation prize. Well, I, I want to recalibrate the expectations, too, because there were diminished expectations for Austin Matthews because everyone's saying, oh, pump the brakes because he's not Connor McDavid. It's yeah. like, okay, well, just because Nolan Patrick's not Austin Matthews doesn't mean you're not getting an impact player and, dare I say, a star player because Austin Matthews is a certified superstar yeah. and Connor McDavid's a generational talent. Yeah, and, and Matthews comes into this year with 40 goals, albeit gets his 40th on, the, on an empty netter uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Four goals in his first game. We all know what he did and the player that he is. He, he exceeded a lot of people's expectations. But Nolan Patrick is the guy. He's the guy that's for the Flyers. Injury concerns aside, they move on. They draft the player. It was one of the big things last week heading into the draft. Oh, Flyers are really concerned about his health. And I kept looking at it and going, you know, if they were concerned about his health, they'd never let it out that they were because it would devalue their position to move the pick. And it, unless they were just putting that out there to tell the Devils, hey, maybe you missed something because they wanted Nolan Patrick all along. They got their guy, they get Nolan Patrick, and certainly Ron Hextall have some comments on that as well. A couple other things that we're going to get into tonight, and, and some really good stuff, because now that the draft dust has settled, and the Flyers did draft another goalie, uh, a Russian kid, um, and we know the organizational depth at that position uh, with Carter Hart, Felix Sandstrom, Alex Lyon, of course, Anthony Stolarz. The Flyers and Ron Hextall have made it very clear they're going out into the market to settle this goalie situation. It seems to me that Ron Hextall is not comfortable going into the season with a 1A, 1B with Michael Neuvert and uh, Anthony Stolarz. He's going to go out and find a guy. The market is lean. There's not a lot of guys out there no. right now. This is not a robust goaltender market. The, the options are slim. It's slim pickings. So a little bit later. 
after we talk to Ron Hextall, we're going to go through the goalie prospects and the chances of who they have to get, what you would have to pay, and who's worth getting uh, in this uh, equation. Also coming up, we're going to answer questions from people. Uh, we send your, ask you to send in your questions to our Twitter handles, at Jason Merton, and your Twitter handle is? At Joe Torty. At Joe Torty, J-O-E-T-O-R-D-Y. Uh, we'll get to those as well. Plus, we may actually take some phone calls on the podcast as well. Are we ready for that? I think we may be ready for that. Wow. We're going to at least tr- we're going to we're going to make a run at it. We're going to get into the free eight. Oh, we're getting into the uh, uh, the Hall of Fame class. We'll probably do that next week. We're probably going to have Mark Recchi on with us next week to talk about that. It's a good of course, class, he too. finally gets in. Yeah, uh, Dave Andrewchuk, a lot of guys. Solani, Korea. Yeah, what a, what a great class. And of course, Solani and Korea had played together. Uh, Solani was the slam dunk first ballot guy. You knew it. Seventy six goals as a rookie is yeah outrageous. That what he did many years ago. But uh, a lot to get into tonight. We're going to talk about some potential free agents, maybe Yarmir Yager. Come back to the Flyers. It's my favorite tradition of the year. Yager watch is the best time of yeah, year. Yeah, he still did. By the way, he played 82 games last year. Does that shock you? I mean, you, he played like 78 two years ago, right? He just doesn't miss any games. He he's, doesn't take any hits. I think he's a month older than me. <laughs> and he played 82 hockey games last year. What a reality NHL. check. That's unbelievable. <laughs> so we'll get into that as well. But right now, let's check in with the Flyers general manager, Ron Hextall, joining us on the Stick to Hockey podcast. Ron, how are you today? We appreciate you taking the time. Oh, it's a pleasure. Ron, let's get right into it here because uh, it's been it's been hectic, obviously, with the expansion draft, things that you normally don't have to deal with as a general manager. This is one of those off-seasons that uh, has its own uh, kind of uh, DNA of it. Uh, talk to us first about the uh, the expansion draft process and kind of how that altered your off-season and the way you guys approach things. Yeah, you're, everybody was trying to figure out you know, who they were going to lose, and in the end, nobody really knew. I think uh, we all knew there were some deals out there, so it's hard to project uh, the type of players that are going to be involved in those deals um, that Vegas is taking. So, you know, we all go through the mock drafts and try and figure it out, and in the end, it uh, wasn't very fruitful. So, uh, But there is preparation there. We were actually in a pretty good spot with expansion, certainly a lot better spot than, than other teams. Uh, we did not want to give away a future asset to, to protect players. So um, we just left our guys out there, and, and obviously they picked Belly. Yeah, and uh, you lose some leadership in your locker room there. And uh, but, but obviously, you know, maybe it's a chance for some teams to reset. But let's look ahead to the draft because that was the kind of uh, the crown apple of this offseason. When you look at it, you guys move all the way up to the number two pick with that 2.4% chance. And you're on the record saying, you know, you were shocked by uh, the ability to move up that far in the draft and what a lot of people deemed as a two-player draft. Uh, going into that process, of uh, getting to the draft and kind of looking at both of those players, both Nico Heischer and now uh, Nolan Patrick, who you end up drafting. Uh, what was that process like in, in looking at these two players and the differences and similarities in their game? Well, it was, it was easier for us, obviously, than New Jersey because we felt like one of them one of them was going to fall to us. In saying that, um, you know, there were some other players out there. There were some other players that certainly could have been considered, and we actually heard that. New Jersey was considering somebody else at one, so we uh, we had to do our due diligence in case both both of the forwards were were on the uh, board there. And you know, with Nolan, I mean, there's the hockey player, and then there's you want to get to know the character of the person. Um, and then there was the injury stuff that we had to, to sift through. So we got through it all, and in the end, felt comfortable that uh, Nolan was obviously a good player, which we knew. Um, Getting to know the kid felt like his character was real good, and then the injury thing, we had our medical team work through, and we were comfortable with uh, the findings. Well, when you look at those findings, and we're talking with Ron Hextall, Flyers general manager, he dealt with the, the, the sports hernia issue this year. Is that something that can reoccur? Is that something that you guys found, okay, this is kind of – these are it's not necessarily a rare hockey injury, but it's not a ligament or a damage to a knee or something like that. Is that something that maybe made you feel a little bit more comfortable? Yeah, the sports hernias are, you know, what happens to a lot of guys. The surgery is, uh, is, is good nowadays. So again, we, we weren't, we weren't too concerned, um, about it. Um, but we did want to do our due diligence and make sure that everything checked out to the satisfaction of our medical team. When you look at the player in Nolan Patrick, what does he bring to this uh, organization? Obviously, it's a big jump up from where you guys were. Maybe accelerates things in, the, in some people's minds to get a player at the 
top of the draft, uh, considering where you are uh, in the pecking order of the NHL. What can he bring to this uh, this organization, both short and long term? Well, Nolan's a, he's a big body. Um, he protects the puck well. He's hard on the puck. Um, he's got he's got a high skill level. He's got good vision. Um, re- really sees the ice and delivers passes. He's got a scoring touch. Um, you know, he's got some physical play in there. Uh, it's not something that he does every shift, but it is in there. Um, so he's a he's a package size skill package that that we're extremely excited about. When you looked really looked closely at his game, were you surprised at the skill uh, in the hands and that he possesses at his size and and certainly at his age? Well, it's you know when you're when you're going high in the draft, that's typically the type of players that that you're getting. Uh, we actually saw Nolan a lot uh, in his underage year because we had Provorov and Brandon there playing with him. So just uh, you know me being there and Chris Pryor and our scouts, you know, keeping an eye on on Ivan, uh, we ran into into him a lot, and it's funny because you're sitting there. Uh, two seasons ago thinking, geez, some team's going to be pretty lucky getting this guy. Uh, having no idea it was going to be us. So we feel very fortunate. Obviously, the lottery um, was was uh, um, a huge break for us. And hopefully in a few years, we're looking at this as a, as a big uh, – uh, uh, big acquisition in the history of this franchise. Yeah, you mentioned yeah, you're there to watch Ivan Provorov, but he's one of those guys that'll jump off the page a little bit. You guys decide to make a trade uh, in the draft, and you end up back in the first round. This is something that's not foreign to you guys. You did it a couple of years ago when you moved back into the first round and ended up sec- uh, selecting Travis Konechny in that same draft where you took Provorov. You do it again. This time you get another center, Mar- Morgan Frost. What can you tell us about Morgan Frost? Comes from the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds and uh, a guy that uh, certainly uh, is, is a big body as well. Yeah, Morgan's he's an extremely intelligent player. That was the first thing that our guys liked about him, but he he distributes the puck really well, reads the ice really well. Um he's good in his own end, he's got speed. Uh you know, certainly in terms of the body, he's got work to do there. He's a he's a young he's a young um 18-year-old uh, again. There's lots of work to do on the body, but we're real excited about uh, the upside uh, with Morgan moving forward here. Yeah, you said he is young. He just uh, turned 18 on May 14th of this year, uh, and, and he's a guy that comes uh, via trade, uh, the, the ability to pick him. You end up moving Braden Shen onto the St. Louis Blues. You get Yuri Laterra uh, in return along with that draft pick and, and a future number one. Uh, the, the chance to trade Braden Shen maybe something you guys weren't looking for. Uh, what was it that made this deal the one that you you felt like you had to make. Yeah, there's certain times where teams come at you and they chase your player, so to speak, and that was the case here. We certainly weren't looking to trade Braden, but obviously if it's something there that makes sense for our future, um, we do it. Yori's a good player. Um, he's a solid two-way player. He's got some flexibility to his game in terms of playing the wing, playing the middle. Um, solid two-way guy. And then adding two, two first-rounders, we our guys really like the draft next year, so it was attractive to get a, a first-round pick in the 18 draft. Um, and 27, uh, we really liked the small group of players that we had there, so we felt like this was a deal that at the time was just hard to go by. In the second round, you guys take Isaac Rat- Ratcliffe uh, in the second round, the 35th overall in this uh, draft. Another uh, a big kid, 6'5", 6'6", player, uh, over 200 pounds already, even at his young age. Uh, it seems like you guys really kind of focused on some size in this draft. You had a little bit of a smaller team last year. Uh, you're looking for some size up the middle. Is that uh, kind of what you guys are trying to build, how the DNA of this franchise? Well, we ch- we chased Isaac. He's a guy that we actually talked long and hard about at 27 there. Um, and when we had the, the opportunity to go after him in the second round there, we jumped on it. Certain players that you really covet and, you know, we paid a, a pretty good price for, for Isaac, but we, in the organizational need, we've, we needed size, we needed left wingers, and we felt like we got both uh, with Isaac. Uh, he can score goals, he goes to the net hard. Um, 
Um, again, he's a big body. As you mentioned, he's 200 pounds now and probably going to be in the 225 range when when uh, it all settles out in three or four years. So he was a type of player, and again, just given the positional need that our organization has, it's a guy that we chased. Let me just hit you on two more dra- uh, players that you drafted. In the third round, you draft another goaltender out of Russia, Kirill Ustamenko. Uh, you've been on the record before as saying that you know, you're going to take a goalie pretty much in every draft. It's a, a position where you cannot have enough depth. Uh, what did you see out of this goaltender, and uh, how about his development and where he'll be playing coming up here in the, the near future? Yeah, he's going to stay over in uh, St. Petersburg. Um, this is a kid that we felt would go late second round. He was a little bit under the radar most of the year. He came on towards the end uh, at the under-18 uh, World Championships. Um, but our guys were on him at the start of the year, liked him the whole year. So we felt like we had you know the whole year of information on him where uh, he kind of came out towards the end of the year uh, to the hockey world. So he's a guy, like I told our guys, we're not going to chase a goalie this year because we have goalies, but if there's somebody there that we really like at a certain spot, then we'll take him, and that was the case here with uh, Carroll. The last draft pick I want to ask you about is Matthew Strom. You end up getting him 106th overall in the fourth round. Uh, Obviously, good bloodlines. Two brothers uh, drafted into the NHL and both drafted pretty high. Uh, The book on Matthew Strom is he needs to improve his skating, very similar to his brother. Something you can work on, though. Uh, But this is a hockey player with a really good hockey IQ and could really pay dividends, uh, considering where you got him in the fourth round especially yeah he, we really liked him where we got him Matthew he is a he's a good hockey player he, he can score goals he can make plays he sees the ice he reads the game well he's a good net front presence he does all the the little things that you like a player to do he works extremely hard um, the one area as you mentioned is skating it does need to improve it's going to be a focus for for Matthew we've already talked about it coming in development camp here uh, in a week or so and uh, that's going to be the focus so um, he does have you know obviously good bloodlines and and again I said this is a kid that we believe is willing to put the work in and a lot of kids you say well he's got to work on this he's got to work on that he's got to work on this and Matthew really his focus is going to be singularly the the, the skating part uh, the rest of his game is pretty well rounded at this time so Grabman in the fourth round I actually talked to one of the other GMs yesterday and they picked shortly after us and he said we were disappointed we were hoping to get him with our pick but obviously uh, surprised I think that he that he fell as far as he did but again when you have a a skating flaw like that it it does make you drop and uh, now it's up to Matthew to to work at it and improve it. And now that you're clear of the uh, the NHL draft, and we're talking with Flyers general manager Ron Hextall, you're clear of the draft, you're clear of the expansion draft. Now the focus for you guys becomes free agency, which begins this weekend on July 1st. Uh, when you look at free agency, you don't have a tremendous amount of money to uh, to spend on free agency, but you do have some things you want to accomplish. Uh, looking at your goalie situation heading in right now, it looks like Michael Neuvert, who was not claimed by the Las Vegas Golden Knights, and Anthony Stolarz is kind of your pecking order now. I know you've been on the record that you would like to go out and find somebody. Uh, is free agency the most likely route for that, or are you still considering trade options? I would say at this point, probably free agency is the most likely route, so we're going to try and try and fill the hole uh, July 1st. And as I mentioned the other day, Mace is still an option here for us. Um, so we'll see how things shake out on July 1st. Are you surprised by the, the, the goalie market right now, kind of the way it's shaken out here in this offseason? Um, yeah, we such an important like, position, yet it's, it seems like a, a soft market. It, well, I don't know if it's a soft market. There's actually a few goalies out there that are that are pretty good goalies. So there's there's a few too many goalies for the number of spots. So we're in a good position here, and we're going to get someone that we're certainly going to be comfortable with moving forward here. Yeah, and organizational depth at that position is something that you've really built up in your tenure here as general manager. Uh, when you look at Ron, you look at the, the team coming as uh, as you'll get out of uh, this offseason and get closer to camp and development camp and those kind of things. A lot of people mentioned the name Oscar Lindblom. What did you see out of him last year and the progression of his game, and especially when he came over late in the year to, to join the Phantoms? He came over. He came over a year ago to join the Phantoms. He was still playing this year um, over in Sweden. But Oscar had a really good year. Um, he's gotten bigger. He's gotten stronger. His skating has has gotten better. Um, and overall, his game has really matured. He's a he's a good two way player um, who makes plays. Um, 
scores goals, and he played in the Swedish Elite League, and that's a really good league. It's it's probably just a hair under the American League. So when you look at it, you say, okay, this kid played in a pro league with men, um, which you know gives them a little leg up on certainly someone coming out of junior college. So we certainly look for big things uh, in the future with Oscar, whether it's this year or not. Uh, he's going to have to answer in September, October. Uh, we're talking about uh, some of the players coming into this year, this offseason. You extend uh, the, the contract of Shane Goss to spare. Uh, he's coming now to, into his third NHL season. Did find himself in the press box a few times last year, seemed to learn from it and really pick up his game in the second half. Are you expecting to see a more uh, a game reminiscent of his rookie year with a little bit more consistency here as he heads into year three? Yes, that's exactly. Like we, we, we know what we have here in Shane, and Shane works hard. He's a great kid and everything else. I think the, uh, a lot hit him that first year in a short period of time, and last year things didn't quite go as well. And I think the first year was great and everything, but I think last year Shane uh, learned a lot of lessons, and they're going to help him be a better, certainly be a better player in the future here. You're losing a few players, uh, whether uh, through free agency or whatever it might be, uh, this offseason. So you do have some holes uh to fill on your defensive blue line, and certainly an area where you guys are stocked. You got to look at a couple of guys last year in Sam Moran and Robert Hag. Uh, Sandheim's obviously a guy that a lot of people are very intrigued by with his uh, skill set that he possesses. Uh, can you, how many can, of these guys can you envisioning making the big club? And where's kind of the tipping point where bringing young players up, uh, you kind of want to go to a number where you, you don't want to have too much youth up there because a lot of mistakes can happen. Well, you don't want to have too much youth, but don't forget a lot of these guys have played in the American League. So this isn't like you're going to bring two or three young defensemen up from junior slash college and put them right in the National Hockey League. That's very dangerous. The, you know, you look at Robert Hag, he's played three years in American League. Big Sam's played two years in American League. Uh, Sanheim's played one year in American League. So these kids are going to get a shot to play on the team, and they're going to answer the questions for us. But we're, we're, not, we're not hesitant again to put young players in if they're mature players and ready to play at the National Hockey League level. That's the whole idea of, of keeping them in the American League for a period of time until they're ready to make to be a good player at the National League, not not just to be able to hang on and, and play as a 6th or 7th defenseman and play 10 or 12 minutes and not develop like they should. So we're hoping a couple of these kids are ready and you know we might possibly look at covering ourselves with a tryout here on defense. We'll have to see as things get closer to camp here. Well, that's Certainly getting uh, getting to be that time of year, Ron, when uh, free agency strikes, and then uh, you're not far off from uh, getting on the ice here for training camp and getting ready for another season. And uh, we certainly appreciate the time today. Good luck with this off season and free agency, and we're looking forward to another season. Okay, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Special thanks to Ron Hextall, Flyers general manager, for joining us here on the Stick to Hockey podcast. And uh, you get all the lowdown on the draft there from the Flyers and uh, also their plans for free agency and how this team is moving forward. Ron Hextall certainly trying to build through the draft. And one of the things we want to get into now is the goaltending situation. By the way, we'll be answering questions uh, throughout the podcast here uh, that you've sent uh, over Twitter. Also going to take some phone calls coming up. Um, But right now, let's talk about the goalie debate. This is an interesting debate where the Flyers go. Joe, you know the team... Well, first of all, you and I agree that goaltending, we think it's the most important position in all of sports. That's an argument for another day with a different audience. But uh, goaltending in the NHL is so important. And let's look at the pool of guys that uh, may be available for the Flyers. Obviously, Steve Mason, I don't believe he's coming back. I think that ship has sailed. I don't think there's any way that he comes back to the Flyers, uh, both from his side and and the flyer side. I know Hextall said he's an option. I don't believe that to be true. Would you have interest in Steve Mason? Uh, if I were another team besides the Flyers? Yeah, probably. But if I'm the Flyers, I'm with you. There was yeah. just too much... It's not necessarily bad blood because it didn't play out in the media or anything like that. But if you're around the team, you just had the feeling that something wasn't quite right. The marriage wasn't happy. He and, he didn't like the one A one B thing, and that's what he would be stepping back into with right. Neuvert again. And, and he is a good goalie. If you let him know, remember when Neuvert got hurt and the reins were just his? Yeah. It was a completely different guy. His save percentage goes up, the wins go up, the performance go up. 
it's that he it's not an indictment on him it's just the competition aspect with another goalie you're not knowing that you're playing every single night it was too much for him and that's exactly what the Flyers are going to have next year so no that's not a good marriage yeah and, and the looking over the shoulder thing obviously has always been an issue for him so let's get into this goalie debate I put together a list here of guys that are possibilities so let's start and we'll go through these guys individually let's start with Brian Elliott who's played for a couple of teams now in a couple of different years obviously was with the Blues on that run in the playoffs two years ago and then with Calgary last year where he started off the year really poorly in Calgary. And sometimes that happens for a goalie getting used to the way his defense plays in a system. Then he was really good in the middle of the year, but then he finished really poorly. Of course, out of the University of Wisconsin, where he had a great run as a, as a college goaltender. Uh, you have any interest in Brian Elliott uh, to be the Flyers 1A or 1B with uh, Michael Neuver? This is going to shock you. I do. You do have interest. I in have that. interest in Brian Elliott. And wow. The, the reason why is because he has been at his best. He's the anti Steve Mason. He's been at his best when he's been deployed in a platoon role, whether it's with Yaro Halak or Jake, Jake Allen, Allen. Yep. or whoever. That's when you've seen the best Brian Elliott. Yeah, he Chad got, Johnson a little bit in Calgary as e- well. Exactly. When you saw him kind of take over in Calgary and be relied upon as the number one guy, that did not work as well. Yeah. So to me, that is actually a better fit than it looks like on first glance. Okay, see, I am not in favor of Brian Elliott. To me, he's crumbled in big situations too many times. I want no part of him. So I don't want him. He had nine ten save percentage last year. Here's his numbers. 49 games played, 26-18-3, the two five five goals against average. And as I said, a nine two nine ten save percentage. That save percentage ranked him around 29th in the NHL. Not good enough. I don't think he's a guy that I can rely on in big situations. No part of him for me. Okay, so so we differ on that. We'll have to keep yeah. an eye on the Elliott watch then as it pertains to the Flyers. Yeah, t- to me, I just know what he is already, and I know I don't like it. Not only that, I don't like him stylistically. I okay. don't like the way he plays the position. For some reason, I, I just don't like it, and I, I don't think he makes himself big enough. I think he minimizes his size. But we'll get into the goalie nerd stuff at another point. But to me, I want no part of him. Soon, I hope. Yeah. I love to get into the well, goalie. Well, that's going to happen. You know that's going to happen. <laughs> uh, let's look at a guy who was at one point the best goalie in the National Hockey League. Of course, an American guy. Ryan Miller, uh, of course, just was with uh, Vancouver. bounced around a little bit. Uh, he's up there in years. Do you have interest in Ryan Miller? I have less interest in Ryan Miller. Ryan Miller's, if, to me, when he has crumbled and when he has not performed, it's been because the pressure and the focus weren't able to match up to the expectations of the city, the expectations of the team, what have you. Now, on the national stage, he was fantastic. Obviously, that team 2010, USA, that yeah. was unbelievable. That was seven years ago. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot that's changed for Ryan Miller and the NHL since then. Yeah, so, he, no, I'm out. He's 36 years old now. This would be another instance of the the right goalie but at the wrong time in his career uh can he get you through two years yeah maybe uh i I wouldn't hate this completely if it came down to it um but i would prefer not to go ryan mill so you'd have him over elliot though i would definitely yeah i would have him over elliot but i would have him behind a couple of other guys let's look at a guy who's got bought out in dallas and you know the goalie carousel they had down there with that they carry letting in anti niemi and of course they make the signing the big signing of ben bishop so they had to get rid of somebody they buy out anti niemi uh, you have any interest in Anthony Niemi, the Finn? Minimal, minimal interest. I, I like Finnish goaltenders, generally speaking. I think that as a country, they're the best country doing it. But when, when it comes to Niemi, the thing that you're looking at is the experience. Not necessarily what he can do for you on the ice, but you're talking about a guy who has Stanley Cup experience, has won at very high levels, can kind of bring that to the locker room. If you take a look at what's in the net right now for Philadelphia – You've got Michael Neuvert, who hasn't been able to last a season, and a bunch of prospects who we keep saying, oh, yeah, these guys have high ceilings, high ceilings. But you hear the Flyers link to every single free agent goalie. So yeah. read between the lines. They don't like those guys. They're looking at something else. Niemi's a guy who could kind of change the locker room a little bit. That, that's my only interest level. Yeah, yeah, see, I would take him as maybe a 1B, but not as a 1A. And I think with Michael Neuvert and his inability to stay healthy, you've got to find a 1A. Yeah. I just don't think he's a 1A. Look, none of these guys are going to be great 1As. They're just not. Because that's the market right now. Uh, let's take a look at a, a guy that a lot of people think it could be the guy that, that lands here because you have the connection between Hextall and the Kings and also Kim Dillaball, the Flyers goaltending coach, who was with L.A. at the time as well when they took in the first round. Jonathan Bernier. 
Uh, he came into the NHL with the, a, a lot of expectations. He certainly has not lived up to it. He ended up not getting the job there because of the, uh, the great work of Jonathan Quick. And then he ends up in Toronto, which is a tough, tough goalie market, and uh, doesn't succeed there. Although he was there in their worst of years right. yep. in Toronto with horrific defense in front of him. Goes out to Anaheim. It does pretty well there in the backup role. Is he a guy that you'd be comfortable going, okay, Jonathan Bernier is my bridge to Carter Harder, Felix Sanchez? Well, you know, Jay, you take a look at, at Bernier. At least the age is there for Bernier, right? He, he's the appropriate age where he could be pleasantly surprising to you if he turned into a piece. But and it's nothing against Bernier. He's this is just a guy who's had every excuse made for him about why he hasn't succeeded yet and things like he just is in the same mold of a guy like a Michael Neuvert or like a Semyon Varlamov. Not a like, carry the mail kind of guy. Right. Yeah. Wait till you see more of this guy, and then yeah. when he gets that opportunity, something else comes up. So I have just a little bit of a hands off approach with Bernier. Nothing against him personally. I just don't like the situations that he's been in, and I don't know if you can shake that off by coming to Philadelphia. Okay. And Bernier last year, of course, with Anaheim. 39 games played, 21-7-4. Granted, he's playing for a very good Anaheim team last year and certainly had some good defensemen on that team as well. A 2.5 goals against average and a 9.15 save percentage. Also, two shutouts on the year. Not not, not bad numbers. Not Be- great best, numbers. Best save percentage we've heard, right? And I think that you agree that's the most important statistic for goalies, yeah, is a yeah. save percentage. So, I mean, yeah, I, I hear you there, but... I don't know. It's, See, it's crazy. Nine fifteen save percentage in this day and age is actually considered a little bit low, <laughs> right? Or, or like average. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an average save percentage. Now you get into the nine twenty five. That's when you're getting into the upper echelon of goalies. And of course, I think last year Sergey Bobrovsky's save percentage, he won the Vesna with a nine three two save percentage. Ridiculous, outrageous, filthy number. Uh, and the other guy I want to talk about. I've talked about this guy a lot. Anders Nilsson. Uh, he's a guy who was in Buffalo last year. I'm going to bring up his numbers. He, he's an, another one of these big goaltenders that uh, you know a lot of people look at, and, and you, you got to have that size when it comes to the goaltending position. He's big. He played in front of a Buffalo Saber team that was not very good. He's only 27 years old. He only got paid a million dollars last year. He is an unrestricted free agent. And when you look at his numbers, like look, I don't know that. Look, he, he's not a bona fide number one. He's never carried that kind of that weight. But in last year in Buffalo, in 16-17, he appeared in 26 games. He started 23. He had uh, a two six seven goals against average, and his save percentage last year was nine twenty three. So there you go. There's the 90. Not a lot of action. No. Well, you look at the games and you wonder with stats like that, why? And, and it gives you pause when you're looking at, you know, extrapolating numbers. Because, you know, if you're a goalie, especially in a platoon with Michael Neuver, you're still looking to probably play in two-thirds to three-quarters of the games to begin with. You don't know how the body is going to respond over the course of a full season of work. I like him stylistically in the way that he uses his size. He's one of the guys who does actually play big and does actually utilize like the, the butterfly slides effectively. Yep. He moves pretty well down low. I, I would take him as a lottery ticket. But you know, as we're taking a look here, they're all lottery tickets. There's yeah. not a whole lot of, uh, of solid certainty in this group. So that, that's the trouble when you're waiting this long to kind of find somebody. And, uh, you know, Nielsen, I would say, I would power rank him probably second. I think Bernier is probably their first choice. Yeah, see, as much as I like Anders Nielsen, I would prefer him to be my 1B again. I don't know about a 1A. When I look at this group of guys, I, I mean, oddly enough, I think the best case scenario is a 1A, other than the fact that he doesn't like the 1A and 1B, is Steve Mason. It's crazy, isn't it? But I, I think the way the system plays out, I don't think that's an option for the Flyers. Um, so if I'm picking from this group I, and what I think is going to happen, I think that the option then ended up being Jonathan Bernier. He's going to be the guy, the familiarity with Hextall, the fam- familiarity with uh, Kim Dillabaugh. I think that's going to be end up where the Flyers end up going with this with this goalie situation. And we talked about it a little bit before the draft, how important background and ties are to Ron Hextall and to the Flyers and what a guy's history is. We talked about the, the Brandon connection with Ron Hextall and the Brandon connection with Nolan Patrick. Jonathan Bernier just makes so much sense. And you haven't heard Bernier tied to a whole lot of other teams either. That's the thing. You've heard the Flyers pop up as potential suitors. There's no one else necessarily who's been linked to Bernier in a serious way. It just feels like there's smoke and fire again. Yeah, and a lot of people, maybe the foregone conclusion. Uh, let's take a couple of questions from Twitter here. All right, okay. We'll put it out there. Uh, Michael Angelucci tweets in and says, Flyers situation for next year, a step forward or a step backwards? Now, this is interesting because a lot of, and you heard Ron Hextall say it, there's going to be a lot of guys that can that make this team this year. 
that rookies that could end up on the Flyers. You're looking at Warren, Robert Hag, maybe Sanheim, right? Maybe Oscar Lindblom. You got young. Oh, D- you have that as a maybe. I have that as a maybe. Oh, I, I have don't that know as that stone I'm Stone Cold Lock as well, being in yeah, the lineup. I know the way that this organization <laughs> likes to handle young players. I think that they would like to see him play a little more North American wow. game. I, a lot of people are penciling him in, and that could be the case. Okay, I, and I hope it is the case because he's developed way beyond what I thought he could so quickly. But is it a step forward or is it a step back? I predicted going in the last year it was a step backwards. What am I predicting this year? Mm, I think it could be a step forward after a small step back to start off the season. How can we say that it's a step forward based on what we just laid out for the goalie situation? Right? Well, that's true. I mean, Look, there's a lot of not knowns right now. Can the goalie situation be better than it was last year? Well, it can't be a whole lot worse. Exactly. <laughs> right? that, so, so that's the presumption, right? You're right, yeah. So I, I guess I hear you there. For me, I, I'm more interested in seeing the young guys uh, be more involved. That's why like a guy like Lindbaum, I'd, I'd want to see in the lineup no matter what, whether he's going to take his lumps or whatever. Because, it, you know, do you think that you're going to compete with the upper echelon teams for a Stanley Cup this year? Probably not. So it's not like you're going to be hurting your efforts by having these guys gain league experience. And I don't necessarily know if Nolan Patrick is going to get penalty-killing minutes at this point in his career, but put him out on the power play. Like, use him in specialty situations. Lindblom, the same thing. I want to see Provorov used in every single situation. Yep. I want to see their use of the young guys expand more. So if that means a step back in the standings, that's fine for me. But it's a step forward organizationally. Yeah, well, yeah, I think that they will take a step forward. I'm just hoping that it's playoff success. Oh, We'll see what happens. It's it's not going to be easy. It's a Flyers-heavy pod this week. Too. Yes, it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> by the way, we're going to try and take some phone calls. We'll see if that works out or not. But we're definitely going to try and take some phone calls. We're trying to do things that we haven't done yet. All right, let's come up with another question here. Okay. Um, let's see here. Uh, let's see. What's more likely? Simmons re-signed or traded? Not sure why a core that's had little success would remain together and account for big money. Wayne Simmons has got a couple years left on his deal. So, I mean, at the money he's making right now, you got to look at the end of that deal. I don't know if it's worth it at the end of that deal to to, to re-sign him. I think you would trade him before that. you got to see where the team is Well, we've been what's talking, coming. We've been talking about Wayne Simmons' trades for like the last two years because the team hasn't been a Stanley Cup contender, and he's been probably the most valuable piece in terms of goal scoring and grit and that front presence, things that Stanley Cup contenders do have. Having said that, you know, you've got to evaluate where your window is 12 months from now and what you look like. If Nolan Patrick lights the league on fire and scores 25 goals or something in his first year, you've got to reevaluate. Okay, maybe we're not as far away as we thought we were. If you find a goal, if Jonathan Bernier, for instance, or, or Nielsen steps into the number one goalie role and you have that locked down and you didn't think you did, it's a little bit too early now to be making snap judgments on what's going to happen, like you said, with a guy like Wayne Simmons when you've got two years left on the team. Yeah. All right, here's a question from Vince, VRO325. What kind of role do you see Nolan Patrick stepping into this year? Second-line center, do you think Coots will be the second-line center? Uh, for me, this one, I, I think he starts out as a third-line center, and depending how things go in the preseason, what kind of chemistry develops, could be a, a second power play unit guy, could work his way maybe to that first power play unit. Uh, but to me, he's the 3C to start. Uh, Couturier is probably your 2, but I think he ends up – uh, in December or January as your second-line center, presuming he stays healthy and things go in the right direction. Yeah, I The way that the Flyers deploy their third line, it is like their shut-down line. So that's the only thing that would make me think that maybe Couturier starts out there anyway, not because it's an indictment on his skills, but the fact that you don't necessarily want Nolan Patrick as a rookie to be anchoring your shutdown line and to be able to focus more on his offensive abilities. He is a good two-way player, but when you're talking about a 19-year-old guy, he does have a good body, but you're talking about the potential to be going against the Evgeny Malkins of the world and the physically dominating centers. You don't necessarily want to put Patrick in that situation right away. So that's the only reason I think he might be the second-line center and have Coots be the third. Okay, realistic point totals for Nolan Patrick, assuming he has a healthy season. Realistic. Mm. I, I, I'm going to say 20, 18 to 22 goals, and I'll say 20 assists. So I think that's a 38 to 40 point season. 
I have him in the same realm in terms of points. I don't have him in the same realm in terms of assists because I just don't think that he's going to have the same caliber of teammates around him to be dishing to. But I think he could score, like I said, as many as 25 goals. All right. We're going to do something here, Joe, we've never done. Let's take a phone call. This is dangerous. Taking this blind. What's your name, man? Hey, this is Emily. We matched on Tinder. This is what we get, Jay. We've matched on Tinder? Sorry. How are you? Oh, this is fantastic. This is great. This, we're <laughs> great. How are you? What do you Maybe think about you Braden Shen me. being traded to the St. Louis Blues? I thought I'd just give you a call. You, you just did give us a call. Yeah. Totally. Is this a good time? Or... Listen, is Nolan Patrick going to score 25 goals or not? <laughs> How are you going to solve the goalie problem, Emily? I'm going to be a little direct here if I could. Oh, I'd love for you to be direct. I just broke up with my boyfriend and could really use a drink with someone tonight. This is great. Look, he's on his way to St. <laughs> Louis. It's not It's not like he's gone forever. It'll be fine, Emily. You looked so cute in your pictures. Are you free tonight? Yeah, I'm, we're definitely free. <laughs> You've just been pranked by prankdial.com. Ah, yeah! somebody pranked. That's awesome. That's awesome. Good work. Oh, so somebody pranks us. Well, that that work that stays in the podcast for sure. <laughs> That's well, great. You know what? That might be our last phone call that we ever take. Yeah, we decided to take phone calls, and then we decided against taking <laughs> phone calls. That is classic. Jeez. I'll tell you what we'll do now. I'm going to bring up the Periscope. We'll see if we can get some okay. people on Periscope. How do you do that? Do I have Periscope? I, I think I do. Where is the periscope on my damn phone? You seem like a man of sophisticated technological taste. Well, I would think that you have periscope. Let me just, phone. I guess if I go just go here and I type it in, we can periscope. Am I spelling it right? Yeah, uh, I spelled uh-huh. it right. All right, here comes the periscope. We'll take some questions on periscope as okay. well uh, for the podcast. A couple other things to get into. Let's talk about Yarmir Yager. Oh, yes, as because, always. Yeah, because he is uh, the guy. What do I say? What do I do here? What are you seeing now? I say... It's a stick to hockey stick podcast. To, okay, stick to hockey podcast F- questions. Fire away. Is that what we say? Sure. Okay, here we go. We're a well-oiled we go. machine. Go live. Okay. Here we are. Okay. Do I flip the camera around? How do I flip the camera? Swipe down to stop. Double tap to flip it. Okay. Here All we right. go. I just flipped it. Hey. Okay, there we go. There we go. We how got do we, it. Okay, we, is, uh, no, okay, now there's people joining. All okay. Right. There we go. That's so how that happens. To, Joe Torty is in the What's house. Going on, guys? How we doing? And gals. And we're here, and we're taking questions for the Stick to Hockey podcast. Yes. Do I go like this? Yeah, let's do that. Let's Let's, set that up. Let me see if I can just lay this Uh, on the board uh, without screwing anything up. I don't know if I can do this. Boy, this is a (laughs) well-oiled machine. (laughs) All right. If we just stick it here and put it like... I need something behind that. What okay, hold on. How about the, the remote? Yeah, use the remote. All right, here Stick we go. the remote back there. Wait, this is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Technology, am I right? Oh, jeez. It's not going to stay there. Okay. Um, All right. How, just, how about against the uh, the, the Vox Pro yeah, well, thing? Yeah, go like this. We'll just put oh, it, oh. We'll wedge it in the headphones. This is a pro move. Well, is this going to work? There we go. Nailed that it. That works. All yeah, right. all right. That's a little... God. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, shoot. I lost it. How do I get it back? Uh, okay, here we're back. All right, we're back. All right. Okay, Probably we're... never lost it. Right. <laughs> this this is going to... I don't know. I'll just hold the freaking thing. <laughs> all right. Perfect. Anyway. All right, do people... Uh, we're doing the Stick to Hockey podcast. Yes. Uh, Joe Torty, Jason Martinez. How do I get rid of this thing? Uh, just go like that. Oh, there we go. Nailed it. Okay, right, perfect. So, so if people have any questions... Uh, we're talking right now, actually, about Yarmir Yager. And if uh, the Flyers should consider signing him as a free agent. He played 82 games last year, Joe. And while you, they look at you, I'm going to look at his numbers real quick. Yeah, so i got to ask you this, though, Jay, because... 16-30 and 30 last year. I have said this uh, in less polite terms, that he, he's gotten around the Metropolitan Division, and now he's made his way into the Atlantic Division as well. I want to know if he's on some kind of tour. You know how people go on like baseball stadium tours, and they're trying to collect every single like stadium? I wonder yep. if he's trying to collect as many teams in the NHL as he can, because he's been all over the place. I don't know if he's going to do a repeat performance anywhere. Okay. <laughs> Somebody just asked, does Recky go into the Hall of Fame as a flyer? Uh, I don't. In the NHL, it doesn't matter. No, and, and I wouldn't think that he would go into the Hall of Fame as a flyer anyway. Really? Because he didn't win a cup here. Well, but but in terms of time spent, he's spent the most time, I believe, as a flyer in relation to any other team, I think. It's, well, it's almost half his time in the, in the it, league. That's one of those things I'll never get. Like, who cares what he goes in as? 
You know yeah, that's I mean? not me either. Yeah, what, so what I, I really don't wearing? care. Nah. Yeah, it, does, it doesn't matter. I don't. Do they even wear a hat when they go in the Hall of Fame? <laughs> no. I don't know that not they do. Not for the Flyers. No, no, no. Or, or for hockey. No. Yeah. All right. We're going to try and take another phone call. We so are? Let's do this. Uh, the first one went so well. Yeah, it did. Uh, what's your name? Hello. Hello. Yeah, hello. What uh, up? This is another one of those crank things. You, see the, you can only do the crank thing once. I know. So, I know. Well, and the first one was, was good. good. We try and take a legitimate phone call on the show. And then boom, we'll never do we it again. Screwed again. Yeah, we'll never do it again. How to give the man a haircut? Oh, I think that's me. I think I'm due for a haircut actually tomorrow. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think you're good. You're well. I'm not. I was gonna say. My hair. You say money on that. I didn't. My hair looks good. <laughs> my beard. But nonetheless, all right. Does anybody have any uh, more questions on the Periscope? Um, we talked about Yager. What about, yeah. what about Joe Thornton? Do you have any interest in Joe Thornton, Jumbo Joe? I do have interest in Joe Thornton. And I don't think anybody's had more points in the 2000s than Joe. Well, I, I have numbers, too. Oh, you, you have numbers on Joe Thornton. Uh-huh. So check this so out. So you do have interest in him. I do, yeah. P- people have said that the three-year deal scares them off. doesn't scare me at all. Uh, the Hero chart, if you're not familiar with the Hero, it's pretty much a way to measure a player against both his peers and any other player. So it it talks about shot suppression, uh, time on the ice, and you can figure out based on these analytic numbers where they are, like first line center, elite center, things like that. So Joe Thornton is still in the last two seasons, just the last two seasons, including when he was hurt. So this is just 2015 through the 2017 end of the year. He's elite in every single statistical category. Shots for, shots against, everything else when his team's on the ice, except for goals. And that's been true his entire career. So Joe Thornton is still, at 37, the same exact player as he was when he was in his prime with Boston and when he was starting out with the No, 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 no. You know he's not the same player he was In terms of production, yes, he is. The metrics say that. I know that. But you know that he's nowhere near the same player. Well, but it's the same thing. And the reason that I bring this up is Yarmir Yager. Where speed is not a part of the game, the things that he does well, thinking the game and passing and things like that, yeah, the the speed might diminish, but that's never been a big part of his game anyway. So the okay. production that you're getting metrically makes a lot of sense still. Let's take a phone call. You're not Let's in see if on this one. Thornton, are you? No, I'm not in on Thornton. No. No. Hey, who's this? Oh, they hung up, so we lost them. Oh, no. Yeah. It's a well-oiled machine. Yeah, that's right. Uh, any more questions on the uh, Periscope? Do you have any more Twitter questions that we should answer? Or uh, let's take a look here. We're kind of getting to the end of episode two. By the way, it's been fun. A- episode one was uh, a total cluster. <laughs> episode <laughs> yeah, two. Yeah, not like this one. This is ep- episode two has turned into a massive cluster. Oh, let's see. But uh, uh, nonetheless. I-, I, think that, uh, I think that we're good. We- we've addressed the-, the prominent Twitter questions. Okay. So, you know, if you want to get in more for episode three next week, at Jason Mert, at Joe Torty. Yeah. And then we'll, we'll probably establish a, uh, a Twitter handle for the show as well. All right. Oh, yeah. Are we going to do that? You should do that. All right. That's I'll, a good idea. I'll work on that. Yeah. Um, how many vacations are you going to allow Mike to take? I don't know. Uh, whenever he wants to take off, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> any, any day that I don't have to deal with him is a good day. Periscope is dangerous. The, the wide open phone line being dangerous. I mean, th- this has been a living on the edge show. I'm with it. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. All right. Everybody on Periscope, uh, thank you very much. How long until Vegas loses its franchise? Oh boy! Well, that's going to be a while. <laughs> yeah. I think they're going to be. I think they're going to get nice crowds out there because you know the Flyers are going to go out there and everybody's going to travel to go see them. Yeah. Every, and w- when Toronto goes there, everybody in Toronto is going to go out to Vegas. Well, Montreal, same thing. Ho- hockey fans travel, especially to Vegas. Well, plus the team is going to be more competitive than you think because of the league rule that says that you have to go out a day before. So teams have to be in Las Vegas for a, a great night. home ice advantage. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. And uh, the Flyers actually play the day before, so they'll be there about a total of 14 hours. Oh, no, right? that's trouble. So that kind of worked out for them. But. Plenty of time to get into trouble in Vegas. All right, coming up next week, uh, we're going to get into the uh, Hall of Fame class, and uh, we'll definitely talk about uh, you know Dave Andrichuk gets in, Mark Reckie gets in. Jeremy Roenick still does not get into the Hall of Fame. Uh, we'll debate whether he is a Hall of Famer. We'll look at his numbers. Reckie was a slam dunk, no doubt about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, his numbers are, are ridiculous. Uh, but we'll get into that coming up next week and a lot of other things. And as we go more and more into this offseason, we're going to be able to get into some of the, uh, the the different conversations. We've been dealing in pressing situations. We'll deal with some free agent signings and see how this week plays out. Uh, but we're going to get more into, into some, some long-form stuff about strategy, equipment, 
uh, and those kind of things and talk to some coaches and those kind of things uh, as we go through the next couple of weeks. But hey, thanks, everybody, for, for listening, for participating. Thank you for the crank phone calls. Thank you for the couple of questions on uh, Periscope. Uh, we're going to be back at you next week. And special thanks, really, to Ron Hextall for joining us, the Flyers general manager, on the second-ever episode of the Stick to Hockey podcast. Uh, one last question. Hey, Jason, what's better, Drexel Hill or Westchester? Simple. It's Westchester. <laughs> born, born in Drexel Hill, moved out when I was two, went to the Dub C, been there ever since. Hey, have a great week, everybody. Unless something major happens, we'll reconvene next week, and uh, we'll talk to you then on the Stick to Hockey podcast. Joe, have fun. Good job. Oh, you too, man. Catch you next time. Stick to hockey, Jason. Always.